do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and new energy economy as seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at Electric Mobility Charging Services Provider Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. Welcome to the year 2020. What will the year be like for e-mobility? What big changes are coming and what should we watch out for? We're going to look into these questions as we pick the brains of industry leaders and insiders on the top trends in e-mobility for 2020. Join us. Happy New Year and Happy New Decade. It's our first podcast of 2020 and still January, so I'm still comfortable saying Happy New Year. Peter, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Hi, Aaron. Thank you. I know we've seen each other, but, you know, not in the studio. (laughs) Sure, sure. Happy New Year to you as well. I want all of our listeners to join in on this. Um, That's co-host and co-founder of Electric Avenue, Peter Bodick, who needs no introduction other than that, here in the studio with us this cold, icy morning. It's a new decade and rife with new potential, new opportunity, and a whole lot more. So before we dive into the exciting developments awaiting electric mobility in 2020, which is going to be the main topic of our episode today, I want to briefly remind everyone what happened in 2019. It was a pivotal year for the industry, and the milestones were huge. At Electric Avenue, we did an entire episode back in December on the largest topics of 2019 to recap the whole year. But in case you didn't hear it, I suggest you go check it out. The full episode is available on our archive on whatever podcast platform you usually use to listen to us through. You can find it there. So please check it out. But meanwhile, so you don't have to interrupt your listening today, we recapped the entire year for you in a short medley here. There aren't enough cars and there isn't enough willingness to go ahead. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's what's happening. The European Parliament was debating new CO2 standards bill. A key European law that will bring down the emissions from all the cars around Europe. Yes, and at the end it passed. We estimate that Europe in seven years will, on its own, need to support the auto industry. We need roughly 200 gigawatt hours of battery capacity. The snowball has already started rolling. Our topics, renewables, electric vehicles, are in the center of the debate because it's agenda which is important for all the major European electricity sector players. We can't do this by ourselves. The energy industry needs to innovate as much as our industry needs to innovate, and we need to, especially for businesses, fleets, etc., have packaged energy products. You have a commitment to fossil-free living within one generation. Please explain. We are trying to upgrade chargers to higher powers because we want to save time of our users. For us, as young people, it is really just to raise our voices and make them realize that by doing nothing, they're making the future of young people unclear and unsafe. We clearly had to use that wave of interest and bring the necessary business solutions and technologies to embrace this new lifestyle with a proper solution. It's important for us people, it's important for them, policymakers. Man, that was fast. Faster even than me. I think I have whiplash now from listening to all of that crammed into two minutes. 
a clear, a lot happened last year. And I must say, I'm very impressed with our producer that she was able to boil it all down into that two-minute segment. Yeah, all right. And 2019 was really important for one thing. I started to listen to podcast on the stream. Ah, <laughs> very good. Maybe one of the most important things, you know? Yeah. I agree, everyone. 2019 was the first year, first full year of Electric Avenue. So a uh, major milestone for the year. So then what will 2020 bring? The topic of electric mobility is so complex and there is so much happening right now. I mean, how do you separate out the broad themes and trends from the constant day-to-day -day scramble for customers, for market share, and for uptime like we face every day at Greenway? It's definitely not an easy task. And so we asked a few other experts and colleagues from all over the industry for their input to help us see through it all. So throughout the show, you're going to hear from other charging point operators, hardware manufacturers, policy people, and energy sector insiders what they think the top trends to watch this year will be. It's pretty exciting, frankly, putting this episode together and rather humbling when you look at all the expertise that we've crammed into one episode. We won't be able to mention every bit of input that we received, but we will discuss the most important, significant, interesting, and important trends that they pointed out with us. So let's dive in. And the first major trend for 2020 is awareness and consensus. I myself have been working in the field of alternative drive since about 12 years, so I started 2008 and I have been experiencing that since then the public perception of the whole topic has dramatically changed over time. 2020 is probably the first year where there is something like a real consensus both in the market but also in the public that there is no real alternative to electric mobility um, and this is also seen as kind of the next logical step for mainstream passenger transport. And I'm very happy with that development. That was Thomas Dyber, former CEO of the roaming platform Hubject and now CEO of a consulting company, Cosmic Cat. And as you see, he's been in the industry for a long time. And he really makes this point very well, that it seems like 2020 is the first year where there is really a large scale consensus from the media, from those members of the general public who are in the know, from policymakers and decision makers, and maybe most importantly, from OEMs, from auto manufacturers as well. Not all of them, but, but many of them, and certainly enough to really critically shift the uh, in nature of the industry, that electrification is the next wave of automotive transport. Uh, yeah, I fully agree. And actually, if you look on media and uh, what you see or what you hear in radio or in podcasts, it's not about only about the quantity of how many times the EVs are mentioned, but as well about quality of the information is coming. So people really get uh, interesting information and information which are, you know, correct ones. So because in, in electromobility, and we discussed this in this podcast many times, there's a lot of hoaxes, there is a lot of um, myths, myth, and, and, and all these things around electromobility. And I think the quality of the information in media is improving. That's great. And I mean, obviously, in order for electrification to become a mass market phenomenon, in order to really break into the 27% of greenhouse gas emissions that come from the automotive sector, you need to have the majority of people, the mass public, understanding the value and participating by buying and driving electric vehicles or getting off their vehicles altogether. Yep. This was a concept that was brought up by a number of our contributors. Do you think this is a greater level of awareness, Peter, than it was a year ago? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure because we have more accurate information. We have more information coming. We have, uh, as well, I think the policymakers are better informed and they can do the better decision. And I remember very well when the current uh, legislation 
in, in Europe, uh, so-called AFIT. The uh, Alternative uh, Fuels Investment Directive. Exactly. It was created back in 2012-2013 and simply we didn't have this experience. But now the level of expertise in, on every level increased significantly. So, I mean, it's clear that this is, on one hand, this seems like a very obvious thing to discuss and how is this a you know groundbreaking trend? And it's not groundbreaking, but it's a critical trend in the sense that it is a th- th- one of the trends upon which all the others rely. The general mass uptake relies on people having good information and ultimately being convinced that this is the path that uh, we, you know, as a society, as a civilization, should go. Yeah, and, and another thing is that electromobility is a major trend, you know, in, in terms of the investment, in terms of the effort, in terms of uh, people who needs to be involved, and in terms of how to change our lives. So it's very complex. It requires a lot of lot of understanding, and I think we all just learning, uh, and and more we know, more we know that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and if we're still having debates about very basic things like whether or not an EV is more, uh, you know, environmentally friendly, or the TCO of it is better than that of a combustion engine vehicle, the less time we're spending on more complex discussions of how to improve, let's say, technical elements. Yeah. So, you know, one way that awareness is generated, especially among the the broader public, is through the availability of consumer products, things that people can buy and people can use, not just sort of niche products, and the marketing campaigns around those consumer products, especially new electric vehicles. I mean, I was walking through the underground tunnel below the presidential palace in Bratislava yesterday, and I saw a huge three-billboard ad for the new Peugeot E208. So now you have all of these people, normal people, walking through shopping, going around their business, seeing an advertising campaign for a new Peugeot, which is all electric, and it becomes sort of a normal, increasingly normal, common part of their day and it's no longer such a niche out there sci-fi concept and so you know the next trend which almost all of our contributors mentioned as well understandably so is availabilities of electric vehicles on the market 2020 has been dubbed by some media now as the year of the electric car and we certainly hope so as the european co2 standards kick in or already have kicked in on 1st of january this year the car manufacturers are finally offering electric vehicle models across all segments across all price ranges for all consumers the big ones to watch are the ones by volkswagen fiat Vauxhall, bmw and some others we definitely hope that this year will mark the start of the genuine electrification revolution here. That was Julia Poliskanova, Director of Clean Vehicles for Transport and Environment, who tracks this issue very closely. And now here's Ryan Fisher from the Bloomberg New Energy Finance Advanced Transport team making a related point. We're expecting the global EV fleet to reach 10 million, which is a real milestone. What I think is going to happen is that the huge amount of EV models will start to hit in the second half of the year. So we see a lot of advertisements, um, but they're not quite out yet. So obviously this topic is one of the critical trends to watch because on one hand, we have all of these commitments from companies. We now see advertising campaigns, as I just mentioned, but really how are the vehicles going to be coming to the market? So Peter, I mean, what do you think? Important is we know that the new models are coming. What we don't know is what would be the real number of cars available on dealerships. And this is something which I think we'll need to very closely watch because we believe that uh, the demand is here. Uh, the new models are here as well, uh, but will they be available? So how long will I have to wait if I order the electric vehicle to come? And we already seen uh, there are some delays like Volkswagen with the ID3, for example, and now several delays in delivery because of some technical issues. Uh, ID3 is very important uh, model in this uh, ecosystem because it's a new platform from the largest car maker. And therefore we will very, very close watch 
watch uh, the one specific parameter, which is the waiting time for a card to be delivered. I advise everybody to have a close look on this. This is obviously critical, but Brian says that they expect 10 million vehicles on the road worldwide. Bloomberg uh, New Energy Finance says 800,000 of those vehicles they predict to be in Europe uh, in 2020, but that it's going to really come more at the second half of the year. And this year it's about marketing and really like pumping up the market. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I'm not happy if we are losing even one month in delivery. So every postponement for one, two, three months of delivery of electric vehicles is not good because, you know, the year is always has only 12 months and you very closely come to the end. You've ordered the new Škoda, right? E-Citigo? Yeah. That's... What is your, when do you expect it to arrive? Uh, well, the initial information, it was supposed to be in March and now it's delayed again. So we'll see. So, okay. I mean, you know, here in Slovakia, there was a government subsidy, the dotacja for people who wanted to buy electric vehicles, and it sold out completely in three minutes and 41 seconds from the moment it became available. Yep. So there's clear demand. There's clear interest. There's a lot of people who want to buy electric vehicles, but from the moment when they actually try to buy it to the moment that they actually get it in their keys in their hand and they're behind the wheel, this is a real topic worth watching. Exactly. And what about if I go to the dealership? and I want to look at one of the cars that may be in the dealership showroom. There's been a lot of complaints about how dealers don't really know anything. They're not able to talk knowledgeably about it, and they might even try to push people to be buying the combustion engine vehicles for a number of reasons. They feel more comfortable. They have sales targets, things like that. Do you see any change in knowledge of dealers in the showroom? Yes. What I can see is definitely the change in how the importers of the cars are pushing the dealership to sell electric vehicles. Before that, it was really more like, okay, Sell it if someone wants it, but do not push. Uh, now it's a little bit different because now they're real quota and they want to sell the cars and uh, they need to sell the cars to avoid the fines which they have from the new regulation. Uh, therefore, uh, there is a really a clear push to dealership to, to sell. For the third trend, I want to quote the title of a previous podcast episode, which is, with all of these EVs soon to be on the market, where will they charge? We, you know, we name this trend infrastructure, placement, and policy. Because as the market enters its denser, more mature phase, a lot of the decisions about placement and the type of infrastructure that will be placed there will be driven by policy, whether it's at the EU level, national level, municipal level, or even below that. So we're going to play three quotes right now, and we'll discuss them all afterwards. So here, here's Ryan from Bloomberg New Energy Finance again. In terms of the rollout itself, um, I think there'll be continued debate around uh, charging usage, where that takes place, how much energy people are using at home, at work. Um, and the patterns that we see in this year could be more representative of what we'll see over the next decade. Uh, the car sales are from higher powered EVs with longer ranges um, that probably assimilate the market in the, in the next few years as well. And this could then draw us to this fast versus slow debate um, in terms of infrastructure. What is the most cost effective and where should we put in that infrastructure as well? And now here's Rock Kobal, head of Nordic business development for Etrel. In the field of EV charging, we can see a sharp shift in focus from public charging to business and private sites. This is due to adequate coverage of public charge sites in developed markets, coupled with cuts in government support for such installations. The growth trend for the fast and ultra-fast DC chargers will continue, which is great for longer distance EV travel. In my opinion, they accelerate the EV adoption as people are trying to mimic charging with filling up of their internal combustion cars. So the fast and ultra-fast chargers are helping to reduce the anxiety. Sure, we need them a couple of times a year, but focus should be on providing sustainable everyday charging at work, home, and wherever we park our car for a few hours. So there's a lot bundled up in there. 
So, Peter, I mean, you are the CEO of a, of a charging infrastructure company. How do you see it? Uh, one of the things to watch is definitely the Alternative Fuel uh, Infrastructure Directive, which is the uh, legislation or regulation of European Union, which I think this year should be significantly revised. And we should have a look on uh, how it is implemented in in Europe, because we see quite a big differences in a charging infrastructure. First, the density, and second as well, the quality. So it means that what kind of charges are built where. So there's quite a big difference between countries. Can you give a, like a specific example of what this revision might might do? Yeah, first, I think the most important thing is that it should be harmonized across the EU. So it shouldn't be a directive, it should be a regulation. Regulations set directly rules. And I think the this is exactly what needs to be done in order to secure some kind of uh, same level of infrastructure development across the EU. Uh, as well, a very important thing here is how this all this thing of charging infrastructure will be related with the energy system, energy management. We'll talk about that in two trends later. Yeah. Now, what about this point that Rock was making about a shift from public charging stations like highway locations and let's say you know bigger public locations to you know destinations, private businesses, hotels, restaurants, gyms, shopping malls? On one hand, there's been a big push, a lot of it supported by European Commission that we Greenway is a part of it of installing DC fast chargers more highway locations, more public locations. But now we're seeing a shift, and we at Greenway are participating in this of providing a lot more slower, lower power or slower charging stations at many, many more locations where people go to spend their time. And do you see this as a, as a big shift that's happening and as something really we should be paying attention to this year? It very much depends market by market in Europe because you have markets where the, the ratio between the slow AC chargers and uh, fast chargers are very different. So some countries uh, like Netherlands, for example, they have a huge number of AC chargers. They have a lot of fast chargers, but the ratio of AC chargers, slow chargers is much uh, stronger. You have countries which much more rely on the fast chargers, like, uh, for example, the Eastern European countries. It's mostly because of the project which were executed here and how it was funded from which money and where was the focus of this funding. So if you talk about the uh, countries that we operate, Poland and Slovakia, the ratio of fast chargers to AC charger is, is completely different to Netherlands, for example. So I think we cannot say that it's going to be uh, this way or another way in every country. But what I see as a really a big trend is uh, increase of work charging. Like work, workplace. Workplace mm-hmm. charging, exactly. And I think in a short term or midterm, it's a really a solution as well for uh, countries or cities where the people do not have access to the charger at home. For many of them, not for everybody, but for many of them, it could be a solution and it could be a decision-making factor for them to buy the electric car because obviously access to charging is one of the key elements when you are deciding if you are going to buy or not going to buy the car. Right. Absolutely. And if it makes financial sense for your family. And yeah. yeah, it is. Okay. I guess I should mention that not all of our contributors agree with each other, right? They are coming from different parts of the industry or have their own experiences. So it doesn't mean they all agree on even the trend lines. But here's a nice contrarian view from Thomas Diber, who we introduced before, uh, formerly from Hubject and now of Cosmic Cat Consulting. Since the introduction of ultra-fast charging about three years ago, I would say it was mainly considered to be the future primary solution for long distance traveling. Uh, for many years now, we have been analyzing customer behavior and different projects. And therefore, I would fundamentally disagree with the mainstream expert opinion that ultra fast charging is only relevant for long distance use cases. I truly believe in the thesis that the more power you can get out of a charging station, the more attractive it is for almost every custom use case. It will become more and more irrelevant 
where the charger is located. So the main KPI will be always the charging speed. And it's not so relevant if you're located in a, in a city, an urban area, or uh, along the highway. So this issue of ultra-fast charging. Now, I mean, this is obviously a big topic. It was something we talked a lot about last year in the podcast. We have a whole episode dedicated to that topic. And at Greenway, we are installing a few ultra-fast chargers in Slovakia and Poland. And, you know, Tomas makes this point as well, um, talking about how once it was the lodestar and um, it's still good, but not necessarily in the way that for the reasons people were thinking as just for long distance travel, but rather now just having ultra fast charging. So 175 up to 350 kilowatts is good for all types of users, regardless of where it's located. I agree with Thomas in the respect that we will see more and more charging hubs. So the places where you have more charging options available and where you do as well the energy management and use the energy for different types of purposes. So use the one connection, uh, grid connection to the different types of purposes for the charging. In this respect, I agree. Maybe what is worth to mention uh, with ultra fast chargers in uh, maybe two or three years ago, the ultra fast chargers was about 350 kV charging. It was a you know very big topic. Everybody was talking about 350 kV charging. What we see now, and I think we will see it in the next couple of years, we really do not need a 350. Honestly. There's just not so many vehicles on the market. Uh, not so it? many vehicles. Even the premium vehicles coming on the market now has a lower charging speed. So if we talk now about ultra fast charging, very often we have in mind 150 to 200 kV, maybe sometimes even 100 kV. So which is a double of a standard 50 kV charger. So rather even a lower speed, but in a higher quantity on one place. So creating the charging hubs. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up this concept of hubs where there are multiple chargers and multiple designated parking places and maybe different types of chargers for different users who are you know going to be there for different periods of time or want to pay more or less per you know per kilowatt hour because as this connects very much to the topic of vehicles on the market i mean if there are more vehicles there are going to be more people looking for places to charge and needing more types of charging solutions and if people have to wait in long queues or it's always occupied i mean as we experienced even just last night it's a deterrent oh man look at the time that was a lot and we are hardly done This discussion has been great, but it's clear that we're not going to be able to fit all of this into one episode. So I think we're deciding right now that we're going to split this up into two shows. We'll air the second part of this miniseries and trends about a week after we air this first one. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. So before we go, let me say a huge thank you to all of the experts who contribute to this show and are working tirelessly in the fields of electric mobility every single day. Hi, Electric Avenue podcast listeners. My name is Thomas Diber. I'm the first. There was Thomas Diber, former CEO of Hubject and now of the Cosmic Cat Group. Service and autonomous driving. Peter Georgiev was the policy advisor for climate and e-mobility at Euroelectric, the trade association for the European electric industry. Hello, my name is Lubov. I'm Lubov Artemenko, who's the chief operating officer of GoToYou, a booking platform for electric vehicle chargers founded in Ukraine and now winning awards all over the world. Uh, Julia here from Brussels. Julia uh, Poliskanova, who's the director of clean vehicles at Brussels-based NGO Transport and Environment and is doing so much to influence Brussels policymaking on this area. Hi, I'm Rocco Bal, and I'm involved Kobal, head of business development for the Nordics at Etrel, a company based in Slovenia which provides building blocks for a diverse range of e-mobility solutions. Hi, I'm Ryan Fisher, and I work in the advanced transport team at Bloomberg. Energy. Ryan Fisher, based in London, from the advanced transport team at Bloomberg New Energy Finance, one of the leading energy industry analyst groups. And finally, we have from Greenway, Polska, Rafał Szalszewski, the CEO there. It's Rafał Czyszewski. Czyszewski? Czyszewski. Good. We'll use what Peter said. Sorry, Rafał. And of course, here in the studio with me today, co-founder of Greenway, Peter Badik. 
A huge thank you to our team here at Electric Avenue, production and editing by Katarina Urban-Richterova, Oksana Ferrancova for overseeing this recording and making sure it sounds so good, and Julia Birchakova for making sure that this podcast finds your ears. And thanks, of course, to Peter for your co-hosting skills and insights. As always, you can find more of our Electric Avenue shows on all of the podcasting platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Anchor, you name it. If you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hi, get in touch with us at aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com. This is Aaron Fishbone wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers. Peter, quickly before we go, very early on in our second episode, fourth episode, I asked you for your predictions for e-mobility in 2019. You think you got it right? If I should choose the three things I will be watching this year, definitely. First is the batteries and the price of the batteries. For me, a very important trend to watch this year is how the price is falling farther and if they are falling. The second trend will be definitely in terms of the vehicles on the road. So I uh, will be watching what kind of vehicles are coming in terms of the new models and as well how many cars actually are delivered out of these models. And uh, the last trend probably would be the investments and the flow of the investment. At the moment, interesting to see that huge amount of investment are flowing to China. And in fact, probably half of the money spent for electric vehicles by European car manufacturers are aiming to China. They are not spent in Europe. So first thing is to see if they are going to spend larger portion at home market and as well if it's going from other direction. What do you think? Get it right? Yeah, I think it was really something which shaped 2019. And uh, I predicted at the beginning of 2019 that it's not going to be uh, the strongest year for electromobility, and I think proven to be right. It was like the modest growth, I would say. The number increased, but not as we would like to see. But I would say 2019 was really a preparation for 2020. Well done.